calling Jeff Newsare, WSU alumni and writer for Cog Shanter. Welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Jeff Newser of Coog Center, our first ever repeat guest on the Let Me Tell You podcast. Thanks for coming on. What what an honor, man. It's, you know, I didn't expect it to grow this far. We're on episode 90, so it's exciting. <laughs> it's a, it's funny how they start to stack up real quick, right? Yeah, no, I just I just t- did the podcast. You know, my dad was sick of hearing me talk about the Cougars. And then I just yeah. kind of momentum just kept building. It's been really fun. That's kind of how they go. Like, so, you know, Craig and I's podcast, right? Like we, uh, it really just started with, Hey, you know, let's, uh, we, we don't talk enough. So this will give us a reason to talk to each other every week. And, and then it just, you know, it takes off from there and, you know, you realize it's, it's a lot of fun. So congratulations on making it this far because most, most people don't, oh, yeah. they get like five, 10 episodes in, and then they realize like, this is actually a little bit of work and <laughs> it's been great. All right, let's jump right into it. Yeah. So- just to take a quick step back, give me your thoughts on last year. And can we really glean anything useful last year with COVID, lack of spring ball? Is it is last year's performance relevant to this year at all? I think it's two things. I think that it's not super relevant in terms of like results. Like I, I don't think there's much to be gleaned from looking at, okay, they they won one game, they lost three, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't, I don't think those things are particularly relevant just because of the, the dynamic nature of it, right? People, players were coming and going. Continuity was, you know, a mess because of a coaching change. Like, there were all sorts of reasons why the team as, as a whole might have done a thing or not done a thing or whatever, right? So there's all these, these reasons why I don't think it's particularly useful to look at the team results and draw a whole bunch of like you know things like oh i think that the defense is going to be whatever this year because the defense was whatever last year i don't think those things are particularly insightful what i do think you can take away is i do think you can look at individuals and i think you can look at how they stacked up how they look and and i think you can you can take some things away from that so when i look at last year i think yeah can we take some things away from what jaden delora did yeah can we take some things away from what say Dion mcintosh did yeah. Can we take some things, you know, Travell Harris, right? I'm just kind of ticking through some of the offensive guys, right? And then on defense, you know, can we take something away from, you know, Jalen Watson and what he did at corner? I think absolutely you can, right? Like you can take some of those things away, you know, a little bit of a resurgent Jihad Woods, right? So we could take that away a little bit. I think those are things you could take away. I was encouraged by Ron Stone, right? Like, like, I think you get, he looks like he might be, you know, blossoming into a real pass rusher. So I think you can, and Brendan Jackson too, on the other side. So I think those are things you can take away. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm heading in terms of, you know, what I think I learned a little bit from last season versus, you know, what you maybe sort of have to discard. Okay. That that makes sense. I'm going to agree with you on that. Taking a wider lens, look at the Pac-12 as a whole and with the new expanded playoffs, how do you see the Pac-12 shaping up? Because obviously, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but we're, we're are we guaranteed a bid into the the new 12 team playoff? And then, how do you see? Is it possible to get multiple teams in? We know the SEC is going to have four or five yeah. teams, an absurd amount. But how does the Pac-12 itself stack up? Well, it doesn't. So that's not going to kick in for at least a couple of years. Okay. So it's. I mean, yeah, when that rolls around. Yeah, it's it's going to be virtually guaranteed. You know, I know there was a lot of made made of what Larry Scott said about, oh, we were pushing for an automatic bid, and it's like it's it's, it's such a stupid thing because when you go back and look at the history of the college football playoff, if you apply the same rules to what it was before last season, Pac-12 would have had 
you know, an automatic entrant every year, right? The only year that there wasn't was last season. And really the only reason why was because it was the shortened season and the Pac-12 started after everybody else. And there, there are all sorts of reasons why, you know, whatever. I think you just take that, throw that out the window. So I think the Pac-12, I think is safe. It, the problem is like, like everything's changing right now, right? We got the Oklahoma, Texas thing. We don't know how that's going to shake out, what that's going to do. Are there even going to be five power conferences in three years? <laughs> like there might not be, right? Like, so is the big 12 going to try to stay afloat by adding, you know, I don't know, say like Houston, right? Or, or schools like that you know, Boise State, I could, you know, I could see him kind of go in that direction to try and stay afloat, you know, or, or is the the big 12 going to sort of disintegrate and those spare parts going to head off to, you know, like Kansas to the big 10 or, you know, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State to the Pac-12. I mean, just, there are so many questions, but I think, I think the Pac-12 is, is okay positioned. And I think, you know, even, even this year, you know, I, I, it, it's so tough. The thing with the way the current system is, it's so tough to get in if you're not already highly thought of before the season starts and that was the lesson that we learned in 2018 when our team was trying to kind of knock down that that door is unless you are really highly thought of before the season it's very very difficult to crack up into that uh you know top four top six type echelon i mean you saw you know when we were doing it and we beat arizona 69 to 21 and we didn't move right and it's like well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like how is that even possible you know you be you drop 69 on a conference opponent and it's like yeah you know so yeah i think i think that the pac-12 will be much better situated once these changes are put in place i don't think that really changes this year unless somebody in the conference just goes and you know blows up i mean oregon i think is is one of those teams that you know could washington both those programs i think have pretty big non-conference games that if they win could jump into that conversation but like i said really tough if you're not starting out up there no I, I agree with you fully on that one too i think yeah oregon and uw sadly uw is usually going to be the favorite i mean they're the i was reading a couple of the magazines like phil Steele, that is for, yeah. the prep for this stuff they're they seem to be the consensus team that should rebound which is sad for us but you look at them they're able to recruit and everything they're they're a good team as much as i hate to say it, that the huskies are a good team but they're a good team yeah we'll see i you know jimmy lake uh, you know, I, I'm not fully sold on him oh. as a program leader yet. So we'll, I don't know. I have a little wait and see, obviously the talents there, you know, the quarterback, uh, you know, again, I think that's a little bit of a wait and see thing. He had, you know, moments last year where he was pretty good at moments where he wasn't so good. So yeah, again, we'll, I don't know. Like I, I feel like so much of what they did over the years was, was a lot of Chris Peterson magic. Right. And so I'm not, I'm not sure how that, again, I'm, I don't know. I didn't see anything last year that convinced me that Jimmy Lake was for sure going to keep that ball rolling. So, so we'll see, but they do, like I said, I, I think I'm trying to remember their schedule. I haven't looked at their schedule that close, but I, I think they do play a big time opponent that they could sort of, like I said, launch themselves into the conversation. And that's kind of more what I'm looking at is, you know, who, who could potentially win a game that, that would be given way too much weight, <laughs> right. And launch them up into that conversation. I think Oregon and Washington both have, those kinds of games. USC, of course, has that kind of a game with Notre Dame every year. So there are opportunities there. It's just, like I said, it's real, real tough. If, unless you have one of those, you win it fairly convincingly. And, you know, people already kind of believe in your, your base talent level. The big position, the big story, whether it's college football, pro football, the Lions, Alabama, is the quarterback. Do you believe you have a quarterback controversy in Palouse? Yeah, like if, if controversy means 
there's not someone clearly head and shoulders yes. above everybody else, then yes. Because I think that, you know, I think bringing in Garantano was, uh, I, I think that was, you know, Rolovich hedging his bets. Um, he was fairly aggressive about pursuing another transfer quarterback. His name is escaping me, but he went from Michigan to Tennessee. Milton Spade, is that? trying to remember his name anyway it's yeah i think there's a sense that he did not feel comfortable with the quarterback position after jane delora last fall and then you know cam and cooper and and of course gunner cruz leaves so honestly quarterback is one of the reasons why i'm not real high on this season you know jane delora like i said I, you know last fall is okay you know, he's pretty good at times. He's pretty bad at times, which I mean, you would expect from a true freshman, right? So yeah. if you're counting on him to get way, way better, and, and this is the thing, like we got really spoiled for a number of years with really high level quarterback play. And this is shaping up to be a season with some real Rocky quarterback play, whether that's, you know, Garantano, whose uh, track record in the SEC wasn't great, or obviously a lot of talent, but, you know, not a lot of, not enough production, right, at, at Tennessee, and then Delora, like I said, you know, he needs to be much better this year than he was last year if this offense is going to really thrive. And then Cameron Cooper, to be honest, just hasn't impressed me with really anything that he's done at any time that I've watched him play, whether it's a spring game or, or, a, or a, an actual real game. So, so, yeah, I think that controversy in the sense that nobody is, I, I think, taking this thing by the reins. I think we saw that in the spring. I mean, it's a position that's definitely concerning to me for sure. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's the leader of your offense. It's the, it's the arguably the most important position in, on the team. So, I mean, in my mind, I think Jaden Delora, it was his job heading out of the season to lose and then following spring, following the DUI and all that stuff, losing spring ball. I think he kind of lost his hold on that. I think it's ultimately going to go to Garantano. And I feel it's kind of, I think just from his experience playing in the SEC higher level. And I don't think, I think Cameron Cooper, He's always seems to be looking on the outside of all the quarterback contra- all the quarterback. He's always one he lost out to Gordon. He lost out to Minshew. So I don't know. It feels like he should have transferred or something. Like he <laughs> to get a shot. Like I don't. I mean, he had the one year automatic eligibility. So like, why not step down to an F FCS level? Just step down and I don't know. Actually play. That's just feels weird. Like he hasn't done it. Yeah. Yet. You know, different, different people have different reasons for doing what they do, you know, and it's, I, I know it seems weird. And I've, I mean, I've had this conversation with people too. I'm like, you know, it's a guy who was an elite 11 quarterback, right? Like four-star recruit, like big time recruit, you know, and it's not, I mean, you don't get to that level without, you know, working your ass off. Right. Yeah. So, so he worked awful hard and then you've got to, you know, do the elite 11 stuff. You got to travel, it costs a lot of money. Like, like it's a big investment to yeah. get to that level. Right. So he gets to that level and, and maybe the goal all along. And sometimes this, this is the way it is for players. You know, sometimes players, they just, they just want to get to the scholarship. That's the goal is to get college paid for. And sure. then after that, you know, who knows? So, you know, different people have different reasons. It is a little surprising if, you know, if his goal was to start, you know, sticking around at WSU is, was maybe not, you know, the greatest plan, but you know, there, maybe he loves, you know, it's possible he loves school and he loves Pullman and he wants sure, to stay WSU. Maybe he's got a girlfriend. I mean, you know, like there are all kinds of reasons why, you know, people stick That's around, true. you know, maybe it doesn't seem logical, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, it does not seem like he's in line to start this fall. <laughs> you know, like you said, no. it's an outside looking in situation and, you know, so maybe, or maybe he just sort of, you know, came to grips with, you know, his talent level. And he's like, yeah, maybe I'm just not, 
a big time quarterback and I'm okay with this. So, I mean, yeah, could it be any of that stuff? Who knows? Or maybe he, maybe it's actually the opposite of that. Maybe he just believes in himself so supremely. He believes that he's going to win the job. It could be any of those things. Yeah, no, that's true. Do you think Max Borgie has to re-earn his starting position over Deion McIntosh? Because he put up 347 yards in yeah. four games. I think that's going to be a lot of uh, timeshare going on. And I also think, you know, one thing that Nick Rolovich showed last fall that I thought was, I thought I, that I liked because, you know, we got so used to Mike Leach and he's very dogmatic about his approach to offense. It's, it's air raid. It's, it's like pure, pure fundamental air raid, right. With, yeah. with small wrinkles thrown in, not like big wrinkles, right. A lot of plug and play type, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of how you build this pipeline of consistency every year with quarterbacks and wide receivers, right. Rolovich showed a little more of a willingness to deviate from his very pure, you know, run and shoot type stuff. So it makes me think that he might be working toward, it wouldn't shock me if we saw some creative use of his personnel, particularly with Renard Bell getting hurt, you know, wouldn't shock me if maybe, I don't know, maybe we see Max Borgie line up as an inside wide receiver at one point to get both him and McIntosh on the field at the same time. I just tend to think like they're going to get creative about how they use these guys. I don't think it's an either or proposition. I think it's a, I think it's an and proposition with both of them where I'm not sure that whoever, I'm not sure it is going to matter much who the quote unquote starter is. They're both going to play. I think that's a great problem to have two fantastic running backs. I'm not going to complain about that. It's a great problem to have for sure. A lot of news has happened in the, for the Cougs this offseason with players, whether in signing or the transfer portal. So out of all the new incoming players, like CJ Sandals or Tyrone Hill from Buffalo, who do you think will have the biggest impact for the, on this team next fall? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it's most likely CJ Moore. Like, I think that, you know, wide receiver is so, 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 so thin now, um, which is like absolutely bonkers to think about from where we were just a couple of years ago to now, and the attrition that we've had guys leaving, guys graduating. I mean, now it's basically like, holy crap, you know, you've got, you've got, you know, you feel good about, you feel good, great, you feel great about Travell Harris. You feel really good about Jackson, right? You know, okay, so those two guys we've seen, we know they can play. CJ Moore, you know, former, you know, four-star guy, obviously has all the tools. That outside receiver spot, I feel like is going to be, going to be really important. That was definitely a position last season where they struggled a little bit. You know, Lucas Bacon, you know, played his butt off, but, you know, really, you know, limited in terms of athleticism, right? And so, you know, you bring in a guy who can stretch the field a little bit, you know, do some things that maybe some other people couldn't with size and speed. So I I feel like that's the guy who really could make a big difference. Because if you don't have outside threats to you know, stretch the field a little bit in the run and shoot, it, it, things get very, very, very clogged up. And so I, I, I think that that's the guy who makes the most noticeable impact. I mean, there may be some of the newcomers on defense who, you know, do make an impact also, but I, I think that, you know, wide receiver is just ripe for, again, particularly with Renard Bell out now, really ripe for a guy, uh, particularly on the outside to, to make a big kind of splashy impact. Coog Center, SB Nation affiliate, you guys, during this, okay, let me rephrase. Name, image, and likeness is now allowed. You guys have partnered with a couple players, Dallas Hobb, friend of the po- friend of the program, and Calvin Jackson. So I was wondering if you could go into why you guys chose those two players and what you hope to gain from this partnership. So actually, we didn't partner with them. Coog fan did. 
So, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. But it's like, I think it's great. Like, I love the Kook fan did that. We have been, our, one of our big things is like, we have always been pretty loud and proud about advocating for, for players and their, their ability to market themselves and profit off their name, image, and likeness, and really just, you know, be like any other human, right? In the United States, exactly. and, you know, make some money off the, off your talents. And, and so I think it's, I think it's awesome. You know, we've had conversations about like, Hey, should we think about, you know, partnering with a player, you know, doing something like this. And we've, you know, kind of kicked it around just a little bit. I think it's awesome. I think it's great, especially Dallas Hobbs, man. What an incredible dude. Obviously I've never met him or talked to him, but just like, you know, following him on Twitter and and the things that he did with the, uh, you know, we are united last fall, like, um, and just, you know, the, the things that he's done, you know, the, the Bryce Beekman stuff, just incredibly thoughtful, kind, compassionate person. Um, You know, I can't think of a better representative of our university. And so having him, have even more avenues to, to be in the public light and talk to people and write things and say things and do things. And then for him to get a little bit of money coming back, I, I think it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited that Kook fam was able to do that. I think it's great. I think it's great. Oklahoma and Texas both just said they want to leave the SEC. They're going to leave the um, big, big 12, I'm sorry, and go to the SEC in 2025. With that, it brings up all the speculation. And for the Pac-12, in an ideal world who would you like to see join the conference of champions yeah so that's a really interesting question i've kind of thought about it and i i, I honestly think i land on doing nothing really um because I, I just don't think i don't think there's any value to be added from expansion i don't see you know texas and oklahoma were always they were always the big fish right that if somebody was going to add value to their conference those were the two schools and i guarantee the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 all would have taken those okay. two schools in a heartbeat. So, and they know it, by the way. <laughs> like they're not, they're not stupid. They yeah. know that they are the ones who sort of hold the cards. And when the Pac-10 expanded to the Pac-12, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was, you know, Oklahoma and Texas were on their target list. That was that was that was the goal. Get Oklahoma, get Texas, and then also take Oklahoma State and, and I think Texas Tech was was the goal and it's like okay so you add those four teams and da 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 da, right it's not surprising that those two left and so then you look and you say okay well what what value can you add from adding anybody else and really if you add more teams now you've got more mouths to feed right you're whatever your media contract says you're now splitting it up however many more ways right it's like it's the reason why the nba hasn't expanded to let the sonics back yet because it's like it's not just as simple as, oh yeah, Seattle's a great market. It's okay. Well, now we are splitting the revenue <laughs> another way, right? So adding teams to the Pac-12, that's that's got to be the calculus, right? Is adding them going to create enough surplus value that you actually end up gaining something from it? And I'm not sure any of those schools left add anything in that fashion. I really don't. So I think the Pac-12's best bet, because uh, I mean, look, you're talking about teams like Texas Tech. Oklahoma State, Kansas, right? Like, I mean, these are not schools. And then like schools like uh, like Baylor's, Baylor's a non-starter, right? They yeah. don't fit in the Pac-12, right? They're a religious institution. You know, their research, eh. you know, it's like they just don't fit, right? Right, and, okay. And then you start looking at some other schools, like again, Boise State doesn't fit, right? Not, not a big academic, well-respected academic institution with lots of research. Like that just doesn't fit in the conference. And the Pac-12 is really... It, that matters to them a lot, 
right? So you got to look at schools that are institutional fits. And when you start looking at the big 12 leftovers that are institutional fits, you just go like, are they really adding it? Like you're, you're not gaining a lot of, you're not gaining a Texas foothold by adding Texas tech. I mean, Texas tech is out there in West Texas. You're not like, you know, when you start thinking about, okay, well, where are all the players in Texas? You're talking about Dallas. You're talking about Houston, right? Like these are the areas you're talking about. And those are all in East Texas. So it's like, you know, adding Texas tech just does not, just does not do a lot for you in terms of exposure, in terms of eyeballs, in terms of media negotiations. So I think standing pat and maybe really trying to see if you can forge a strategic partnership with the Big Ten, I think is really the way to go. You know, the Big Ten is probably thinking along those same lines. Like, you know, do they add anybody? Like, again, who are they going to add that's going to add value? Maybe if they, maybe Kansas, if they decide they want to beef up their basketball, but Kansas is kind of a disaster in every other way. Yeah, so, I, I keep going back to Kansas basketball. Like, they are a true, yeah. honest to gosh, blue blood. I mean, yep. Iowa State's improving in football, yep. but no one's really turning on the TV to watch Iowa State football. Right. As much as Matt Campbell's a great coach, it's... Yes. You're not adding football prestige. Which is, which is the money. A lot of this stuff comes down yeah. to. Huh. Yep. I hadn't thought about that way, but yeah, I think you're honestly onto something with the partnership of the Big Ten because... I mean, if this ha- when this happens to the SEC, they will be the dominant power for the next 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they already are, pretty much. And it's it's continuing to move toward consolidation. You know, I, I think it's inevitable that we end up – so right now, basically, we have a two-tier system, right? You've got Power Five and the group of – so-called Group of Five, right? right. So you've got, you know, those power – and I think what you're going to end up with is a top-tier – that is, you know, really football powerhouses that yeah. is, you know, most of the SEC, a lot of the Big Ten, and some of the Pac-12. And I think that's going to be kind of in your tier one in some way. I don't know if they form a super conference with divisions or whatever, right. but I think that's I think that's where it goes. And then I think WSU ends up in some sort of second tier conference with schools like you know, Oregon State and Utah and Colorado. And, and then I think there's a third tier where you've got, you know, like say your Mac schools, right? You know, those kinds of programs. So I, I think that that's, I, honestly, I think that's where this is heading. I don't know how long it's going to take, but, you know, I, I think Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC uh, is really kind of the first in that inevitable, I mean, not that it's the first in that inevitable chain of re- chain reaction of events, but it's the thing that go- makes me go, yeah, you know, the, and, and this is really largely driven by ESPN, you know, and their desire to create high level inventory. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's inevitable that we end up there down that kind of road at some point. And, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad, you know, on some level, I'm not entirely convinced that trying to keep up with, you know, those really high level programs is in WSU's best interest anyway. I, whenever I talk to some of the coaches, I mean, I talked to coach Rolo, Cammy Etheridge, and then Kyle Smith. They always say WSU is not looking to add five-star players. And then you mentioned that going into the higher conference might not be in best in WSU's best, best interest. But what do you think of when coaches at WSU say it's not in our best interest to add one-and-done players and five-stars? Because to me, sure, I, I, I don't know why that wouldn't be in our best interest because they're better players and they inherently make our programs better. And then yeah. they attract better recruits. So what do, you, what do you think of that statement? It, it never made any sense to me. I think that's what coaches say when they really can't add guys. It's just coach speak. Okay. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, look, 
if you said, you know, for let, let's let's say, you know, Jalen Suggs, right? Yeah. If you had come to Kyle Smith and said, if Jalen Suggs had come to Kyle Smith and said, I want to come to Wazoo, Kyle Smith's not saying no. he's not saying no now what they might you know what they might mean is you know and there's obviously a lot of wiggle room in what they're saying they might mean it's not in our best interest to pursue those people because they are they're not they're not coming right so you know maybe they just say it in that way to make it sound like well it's not not in our best interest it's like well (laughs) you know if you had you know five five five-star players who wanted to come to wazoo like they wanted to go to kentucky you're not you're not saying no to that Right. You're not saying no to that. So, but, but I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a long shot. And I think WSU, particularly, you know, Kyle Smith, I think he's done an amazing job kind of targeting guys who are, you know, extremely talented and are, you know, gettable by WSU. A lot of that is, you know, the relationships built with international recruits, you know, that's been a thing I've advocated for, for a long time since before Ernie Kemp was hired as a way that WSU probably needed to pursue talent and to see it come to fruition right now. Uh, you know, Muhammad Gay is super exciting. You know, yeah. FA is exciting. You know, Yakimovsky was exciting, but, you know, it's also on some level a little bit exciting that a guy with that much talent feels like, eh, I'm a little getting a little squeezed out. It's like, well, you know, it says something for the talent level on the team. And that's very cool. Finally, my last question is, what is your prediction for this year's Cougar football squad? Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more pessimistic than most people. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that they're not going to win six games. Um, oh. You know, I'm, I'm, I would be, I would be ecstatic if they got the six wins. I just think that there are just too many questions. And and I think that we are a lot less talented overall on offense than a lot of our fans think. And I think that's kind of the big thing. I am extremely uncertain about quarterback. And I think that's obviously the most important position, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I think we just, I think so many of our fans, like I said, have just gotten so used to getting high level play from the quarterback. They have not imagined a world in which we don't get that. And I'm thinking I will be really surprised if we get very high level quarterback play this year is, will it be adequate? It might be adequate, but I don't think it's the kind of, I I don't think we're going to get play from quarterback that, that is like, you know, all pack 12 kind of play from the quarterback. So, so I think that's problem number one. Problem number two is we are very thin at wide receiver, extremely thin at wide receiver. Like I said, we, we have two, really two known commodities. One of those guys was amazing last year. The other one of those guys has been on the team for years, but has never played regularly, you know, as for, for whatever reason has always kind of been squeezed out of the rotation, Calvin Jackson. So Eh, you know, and then, like I said, we have an, un- we have a guy who transferred from a, from a big time school to not necessarily a big time school, Oklahoma state, but you know, from a good size power five school, good school. He had to, offers from Alabama Juco, too. So right, yeah. To Juco and then back up again, you don't really know what you're getting there. Obviously a ton of talent at running back. Right. And the offensive line was just okay last year. So yeah, I, I think the offense is much more of a question mark than most people are giving it credit for. I think the defense could be pretty markedly improved. The question is, how does that, you know, how does that balance out, right? And so, you know, we, we've gotten used to having top 25 top offenses. I don't think that's what we're going to have this year. And then the defense, if it gets better, I mean, does it, is it a top 50 defense in order to kind of balance that out and get us to six wins? I'm just, I'm just not convinced of that. So, I, you know, I'm thinking four or five wins, probably. That's kind of where I'm settling in is four or five wins. You know, I'd, I'd be really, really happy if they were able to get to six. And this, by the way, I was, you know, 
I was feeling pessimistic about the direction of the program, even at the end under Leach, right? We had that last season, six and six defense was a, a total train wreck. You know, I was just kind of feeling like the talent level was dropping off a little bit. Um, and I don't know that anything's happened in the last couple of recruiting classes to really convince me that that has been, that that's been fixed. Where can everyone find you on social? And everything Yeah. Important? So, so find my writing at kooksetter.com, obviously find me on Twitter at pod versus everyone pod VS everyone. Uh, that's where I am on Twitter. And then of course, you know, like I mentioned, we have the podcast podcast versus everyone find that on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. Um, if you go to any of those places, we're part of the Coog Center podcast feed where it's our show. And then also Michael Presson's uh, Coog Center Hour is also there as well. So there you go. I think I, I think I, I think I hit them all. Sounds good. I'll make sure to put them all in the episode description as well. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. But he looked like he was 18 or 19. He looked like a young guy. Ben, you should have done this guy right. What, I get him a stripper? What do you want me to do here? I I get him a prostitute? What were you